Welcome to the Stop Dieting Podcast, hosted by best-selling, award-winning author and renowned weight loss expert, David Medansky. If you struggle to lose weight or you've lost weight and gained it back, you'll want to listen each week. Each week, you will learn tips for healthy weight loss without going on a diet, without having to follow an exercise program, without counting calories, or having to purchase special meals or products. The Stop Dieting Podcast is more than just about healthy and sustainable weight loss. You will also learn how you can have more energy, feel better, get rid of brain fog, and improve your overall health. Stay tuned for another informative and insightful episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and share this with your friends. Hi, this is David Medansky. Welcome to another episode of Stop Dieting. Today, we have a very special guest, Kimberly Ward. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here with you, David. Kimberly has been a holistic practitioner for 30 years. She combines her skills as a functional nutritional practitioner and a somatic trauma therapist to help her clients achieve optimal health. In addition, she spent 12 years as the program director for a national chain of nutrition and weight loss centers, where she trained health coaches and helped thousands of people on their health eating journey. Thanks for being here today, Kimberly. Mm, thank you. So how did you get into functional nutritional medicine? Yeah. I was always interested in healthy foods. I grew up with a mother in the 70s and 80s that was very passionate about healthy eating. And we had some just physical ailments that really required us to change our diet to feel better because, you know, nothing else was working from the regular medicinal medicine, uh, prescription medication stuff was not something that we were interested in. So we just started really from a very young age eating really healthy. And then as I became a, a holistic practitioner, I used herbalism and nutrition as part of the modalities that I used to help myself and my clients. So it's just kind of always been in my realm to, to think about food as medicine. Okay. That's a good way to look at it because I like Heather Morgan's quote, either every time you eat or drink something, you're either feeding disease or fighting it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. So how did you get into somatic trauma therapist? What exactly is that? So, so soma means body. So somatic trauma healing is really working with the body to heal any old stuck trauma patterns that might be left over from earlier traumas. And I was working as a nutrition coach in a corporate setting for many years. And I literally sat with thousands of clients and helped them to implement a really sound, healthy nutritional plan and lifestyle plan. And what I realized after 12 years of that was that many people, very highly functional, successful people really had a hard time sticking to a healthy plan, diet plan or lifestyle plan. And I, I realized over those years that many people had unresolved stress or trauma from their past that kept them stuck in these patterns of behavior where they kept sabotaging themselves. Like they consciously know, I want to do this healthy lifestyle protocol. I know it's good for me. I want to do it. Maybe I can do it for a few days or weeks, and then I fall back into my old patterns. So that was really clear to me after 12 years of sitting with people. So I knew that I wanted to work 
with my clients on a deeper level. So I studied um, some various different somatic trauma therapy. So trauma therapy based in the body versus cognitive thinking, cognitive behavioral therapy, where it's all talking and thinking about it. Somatic trauma therapy is working with the energy in the body versus the thoughts and the story. So let me just clarify a little bit for the audience. When you talk about trauma, are we talking physical or emotional or psychological or combination of all three? That's a great question. Yes. And it could be any of the above. Most of us, when we think of trauma, we think of an event or traumatizing event or a traumatizing relationship that was an abusive relationship. But trauma is really anything that makes us feel overwhelmed and it outpowers our ability to cope with it. So if we had a little bit of stress or trauma in our childhood, we might have learned some strategies to help us buffer the overwhelming experience. And many of us chose food as a way to buffer overwhelming experiences. Many of us chose unhealthy lifestyle behaviors to help us buffer overwhelming experience. So an overwhelming experience to one person could be observed or thought of as minor to another person. So it's very individual based on our own experience and our own reaction to the experience and our own capacity to handle our situation. But if we felt overwhelmed early in life, especially in our developmental years, we had to have a way of feeling better or regulating that energy of overwhelm. And many of us chose unhealthy eating, unhealthy behaviors, unhealthy lifestyle habits. So then as adults, we we consciously understand that we want to make changes. However, that part of us that use these strategies to help us feel safe wins out in the end. So people use food as comfort a lot of times to deal with the trauma that they experienced in the past. Yeah. And they might not realize that it was a trauma because they don't define that experience as traumatizing because it didn't seem like a huge event. But it was traumatizing in the sense of I'm overwhelmed by my environment or my scenario in life. And so one way I can feel safer or cope is eating or not eating enough, eating junk food, eating sugar, alcohol, drugs, you know, those things are used as a way to buffer overwhelm. And so as we get older then, and we decide, oh, I want to eat healthier, but if they don't work on the deeper need for safety and security and replace that strategy with something else, then they sabotage their diet and they get in that diet yo-yo looping, which I know you know all about. (laughs) So you're talking about the underlying issues of some of our unhealthy eating habits, because as I tell people, most of us know what to do to eat healthy, to lose weight and feel better, yet we don't do it. So the question is, why? Why is it so difficult to lose the weight? And then is it why is it so difficult to keep the weight off? And so what you're saying is there's a lot of underlying issues because of trauma in the past that people don't address. So it's not necessarily that they don't want to be healthy. They just, as you mentioned, it sabotage themselves, correct? Exactly. Exactly. You know, all the people that I worked with were very smart, high functioning people that once they had a really healthy protocol 
they were smart enough to implement that, right? They're smart people. However, the sabotage would come in after a few days or a few weeks or a few months or, you know, for some a few years, if they didn't have the ability to address the reason why that behavior was implemented in the first place, right? So how do you determine about the the underlying issue? How do you get into the, do you talk to the people individually? Do you work with them one-on-one? How does that work exactly? Yes, I do work with with people one-on-one and I also do some group classes and coaching. And I teach people how to learn to pay attention to themselves in a different way, to learn how their nervous system is wired and to learn about the pattern that they're in. Because we we each have different strategies. One strategy for dealing with stress or overwhelm might be to dissociate, check out and, you know, kind of be creative and intellectual and ignore the body. and. Another person might need to connect with another person to feel safe if they're overwhelmed. And so I want to feel connected to you. So I might then do that to the point of I have, I have codependent relationships. Another person might literally eat to not feel their overwhelming experience. And they just shove all their feelings and emotions and energy down in their body. So we move our nervous system energy in different ways. And so what I teach is how to, to recognize what the pattern is. So once you kind of have an understanding of what my nervous system stress survival physiology is doing, because often it's subconscious, once we become conscious of that pattern and how it's moving in our body and moving in our system, then we can start to make a conscious effort to change it. And sometimes that requires releasing some old emotions that haven't been expressed. Sometimes it requires having some kind of expression or discharge of of an emotional or energetic trauma that just happens to be stuck. And it's keeping us from achieving the goals that we want. Ah, kind of reminds me of the pot roast story. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Yes, yes. Lady's hosting a dinner party and she makes a pot roast and one of the guests says, this is delicious. Can I get the recipe? And the host says, of course, and writes it down. The guest looks it over and says, why do you cut the ends of the pot roast off? And the host says, I don't know. That's how my mom taught me. So she calls her mom and her mom says, that's how your grandmother taught me. Call your grandmother. So she calls her grandmother and says, Grandma, why do you cut the ends of the pot roast off You know, before we cook it? Grandma thought for a few minutes and she says, well, when I was first married, the pot I had was too small to you know, hold the pot roast. I had to cut the ends off. So we do things a certain way without realizing it because sometimes that's how we've been taught. Exactly. That's the same thing with a with a habitual subconscious pattern of maybe overeating or eating too late at night or, you know, eating things that are not healthy for us. So we we get into a habit and we do it, we just do it so often that it's subconscious. And we don't even realize that we're doing it because we did it before in our, you know, earlier years, because we were overwhelmed and we didn't have a lot of other resources, right? So overeating might have been our only option to feel safe or to feel regulated in our nervous system. And we just keep doing it and we keep doing it because that's the way we've always done it. But here's the thing, David, is when we try and change that, there's a subconscious part of it that says, no, that's not safe. If you stop doing this, you won't be safe. 
So you need to create a new habit, sort of like brushing your teeth where you don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. And we do that by doing it over and over and over again, right? And then it becomes the default. So instead of the old default that was unhealthy leading to dis-ease, we want to have a new pattern, a new habit that we do often enough that it can become part of our, our nervous system habit and we do it as a default. And working with your clients, do you find that there's sometimes maybe one underlying issue or could it be two or, or several underlying issues that they're not aware of? It could be one or it could be many. But when I work with my clients, it's not about the story of what happened. It's about how they manage overwhelming feelings and situations. And so if there was numerous overwhelming situations or problems, or if there was one, it doesn't really matter because what we do is focus on what's present now in their body, in their life, in their subconscious mind that's preventing them to take the action that they want to take now in life with their diet and, and lifestyle. So regardless of the story or how much or how bad the, the trauma was, that doesn't matter. What matters is what am I still holding on to in the present that's inhibiting my success? What's the barrier inside of my system currently that needs addressing? So it's not so much the underlying event as it is how the person reacts to the underlying event and how they cope with it as a safety mechanism? Yes, that's exactly it. It's a safety mechanism to help buffer from overwhelming emotions or sensations in the body. And sensations are not negotiable, right? We, we have human body, we have sensations, but for many of us, a sensation is a, in the body is tied to a story from a scary event in the past. And so we, we can learn how to work with the sensations and we can learn to work with the emotions so they don't get stuck. So it doesn't keep us stuck in patterns of defense, which might be overeating. It might be, you know, neglect of our own needs, neglect of neglecting exercise, neglecting good sleep, right? Neglecting good healthy foods, neglecting connection with other people. So it's a lot of different ways. Like I said, different people use these defensive patterns in different ways. So part of my work is helping people become more aware of what that defensive pattern is. They might know they eat too much, but they might not know why. Right? Or they might know that they forget to take care of themselves, but they don't know why. A lot of times when people forget to take care of themselves, it's because they're involved in their businesses or working for themselves or working for someone where they look up and next thing they know, they started work at eight or nine o'clock in the morning. It's two or three o'clock in the afternoon. They haven't eaten anything or drank any water or had anything to fuel their body. Do you find that happens a lot too? Yes. And that can be a defensive pattern because some of us use my intellectual focus or my work as a way to not be connected to my body and not be in tune with my body. It's a distraction. It's a distraction, exactly. Yeah, which is great for the business, but not great for your health, right? Well, yeah, exactly. And there's a little phrase I like to tell people is that when we're younger, we expend our health chasing wealth. And then as we're older, we're spending our wealth chasing health. So often the case, isn't it? Yeah, I need to find that balance in there. And 
you work privately with clients one-on-one. You also have group sessions and you also have a partner you work with. Can you tell the audience a little bit about that too? Yeah. So I do see clients one-on-one. I do functional nutrition coaching so I can work with people specialize in working with people that have physical illness that's rooted in stress or trauma. So many of my clients have gone through tons of different doctors and practitioners and tried different medications and can't seem to find a solution. And so I work with those people that have tried so many things and they're not getting better because they have this unresolved trauma from their past. And so I do nutritional coaching plus lab tests and different things to kind of put a personalized protocol together. And we do the internal subconscious trauma work to combine them together. And then I also train practitioners, other health coaches, dietitians, and other practitioners who work with clients one-on-one, how to recognize a trauma pattern and how to work with a trauma pattern in their client so that they can get better results for whatever it is their modality is that they're using with their clients. So you're sort of the expert's expert. Yeah, that's a, an interesting way to put it. But yes, I'll take that. Yeah, we we do teach and train coaches, practitioners, and therapists on how to work with trauma that is stuck in the body. And so it can be used in a lot of different, it can be an adjunct to a lot of different types of therapy or coaching modalities. And it's just a great way to just add tools to your toolbox if you're a coach, or even if you're just somebody that has a lot of loved ones and family members that come to you for support and you want some extra skills to help them overcome things that that are troubling them. So it's just some really, yeah, really simple tools. Yeah, that's great to know for, you know, other coaches who may be watching the podcast that they know they can reach out to you and get some additional, as you said, tools to help their own clientele. When you work with people one-on-one, is it in person or can you do it over Zoom or? I do all uh, Zoom. I live off-grid on a little homestead here in the top of the mountains in Idaho. So I do all of my work currently on Zoom. And then we also, my partner and I teach live courses on Zoom for practitioners or people that are just into self-healing and want to help their friends and family members with these skills. And then at some point, we'll have another live event. We, Since COVID hit, we haven't done a live event, but hopefully we'll do that soon again, where we'll do workshops to help people learn how to work with their own nervous system to overcome the old strategies that they used that no longer work well and rewire their system so that they can function better, so they can change those old habits to get you know, into the routine of the healthy day-to-day habits that they want to get into. Now, when you were talking earlier, you mentioned about looking at blood work and everything. How does that work for a client of yours to get blood work and how do you review it with them? So different ways. There's a lot of great options out there now for different labs that, that really help us understand what's happening in the body. And regular doctors look at like blood work and they'll, they'll draw blood work from their office and send it to the lab. And they'll say, Oh, everything was normal from a functional medicine perspective. We look at a different range instead of normal from here to here. We want to see optimal that's here to here. So many of my clients have blood work from their doctors and doctors said, everything's normal. So it's fine, but yet they still have all these symptoms. So I can review 
the labs that they got from their doctor from a different from a different perspective to look and see if they're in the optimal range. And I can also steer them on how to purchase other labs that they might not have gotten from their regular doctor that might be beneficial or useful for us to see what's happening in their gut, for instance, what is happening in their microbiome, what's happening in their hormones as well. We can look at urine tests, we can look at saliva tests, as well as all different kinds of stool tests. And there's a lot of ways that we can just get a sense of what's happening in the body to target individually what they might need to target to help. So I work at the physical stuff, and then I also want to work with the trauma pattern that might be stuck in their system inhibiting their healthy behaviors. So we try to marry both. I like that you distinguish between normal and optimal. And the reason I say that is, you know, I look around today and 72% of the U.S. adult population is overweight, of which 42% are clinically obese. And in the 1960s, the average male weighed about 162 pounds. Today, it's 192 pounds. And for women, it was about you know, they were 146 pounds on average. Now they're 164 pounds. So people are looking around and they're seeing other people are getting bigger and bigger. So they think that they're okay, even though they're overweight too. And so when you say normal, I look at some people and they say, my doctor says my, you know, blood work is normal. Everything looks good. And I'm thinking, how can that be when they don't look healthy to me? And I understand an overweight person may be healthy in a thin person may not be healthy. I understand that's possible. But for the most part, when you're overweight, there's some issues going on. So I appreciate that you make that distinguish between optimal and exactly. normal. Exactly. Yeah. The, the normal range can be way out here, but really optimal is is often a much narrower bandwidth, right? So what I like to do is have a better sense of where, how far out of normal are you and in what areas? And then we might see a trend, a nutritional trend or a metabolic trend happening or a gut issue trend from those labs. And then we have a great starting place to individualize the plan. And what I hope for, for all of my clients is that we can make it as simple as possible. Some people that have been very ill and overwhelmed can't tolerate a lot of change at once. And so I work with them. It's like, what can we do today? What's a realistic step that we can do today? What would be the most important step based on your symptoms in the labs and all the information that we have? And then working with their style and their pattern and how they learn and, and add to and change as we go. It's not an overnight change, typically, when we're talking about health and 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 especially with behavior change. It's not typically something that happens very quickly. Yeah, unfortunately, the national brands advertise lose 15, 20, 30 pounds in a month, guaranteed. And number one, I don't believe it's healthy. And number two, it's not sustainable. And usually what I tell people is, hey, you didn't gain the 20, 30, or 40 pounds in a month or two. Why would you think you're going to lose 20 or 30 or more pounds in that short a period of time? And as you said, it takes time to make the changes and then have the body react to it. I know with the holidays coming up, there's a lot of people making yet another resolution to lose weight and get fit. And I know what happens a lot of times is they will start going to the gym for two or three weeks and they're eating healthier. However, they're not seeing the scale move. And I had that happen with a client where 
after three weeks of working with me, he was frustrated. And I said, what's the matter? And he goes, the scale hasn't moved. And I said, are you exercising more? And he says, yeah, I'm walking more. I'm walking five miles and riding my bike. And I said, well, how do your clothes feel? And he goes, they're actually loose. And I said, well, how do you feel? He goes, well, I have more energy. He says, people are actually asking me if I'm losing weight. However, the scale says no. And so I tell him, don't go by the scale. Go by how your clothes feel and how you're feeling. Because what's happening is a lot of people are replacing the fat with muscle. And as you and I both know, muscle and fat weigh the same amount. Five pounds is five pounds. The difference being the muscle takes up less room because it's denser. So that's why your clothes are looser, even though the scale's not moving. So people get frustrated and then they stop and they give up, not noticing that there are results happening. Yeah. One of the principles that I talk about with my clients is we want to have different ways of measuring success and it shouldn't just be the scale, right? What are some of the other tools that we can use to measure? Are we moving towards our goals, right? And so often, you know, we can use how are our clothes fitting? How do we feel? How are we sleeping? Our, how, what's our mood? How's our digestion? How's our pain? You know, there's so many ways, but when people get so fixated on the scale, you know, it, it really, they are blinded to all the positive changes they're making. Exactly. And then they stop, they give up because they think they're not making progress. Exactly. Exactly. So, and many people are all, they're, they're so fixated on their weight and they're thinking about what they don't want. I don't want to be fat. I don't want to be sick. And I like to help people shift that towards thinking about what they do want. I do like feeling better. I do like feeling thinner. I do like having more energy because there's a whole different physiology when we're focused on what we want and we're in a creative state. That's a different physiology than when we're trying to get away from what we don't want. That's the defensive survival physiology that increases cortisol, which affects insulin and helps us gain more weight. Exactly. And that's what I also advocate is focus on what you want rather than what you don't want, because what you focus on is going to expand. So when you're putting out to the universe, you don't want something, that's what you're going to get more of. And doing my research for some of my books, I learned that 80% of our thoughts are negative. Just imagine if we turned around and made 80% of our thoughts positive. Yeah. And some of the clients that I've worked with that had more intense trauma really can't find the positive. They can't stay focused because their nervous system is so convinced that it's got to stay in that fight or flight mode, always on the lookout for danger. They don't have the capacity to feel safe in the present moment based on their wiring from the past. So when that happens, those poor people get stuck in that yo-yo dieting for years and years and years, and they blame themselves and they think they're a failure. And it's simply because they haven't learned to work with their nervous system to be able to to be able to focus on that positive and shift. You know, we're we, we're wired to have a positive attitude. Like that's possible, but because most of us are wired in defense, we don't get there without a lot of work or help. But it's possible. Yeah. So you you advocate lifestyle as opposed to diet, correct? Yes. Now, sometimes I use the word diet with people and some people don't have a charge around that word because to me, diet is just what you eat. But for some people, diet means restriction or, you know, that they're they're deprived. 
So for me, it's find the right food plan that works for your body at the time. Because what worked for me when I was 20 is not the same as what works for me at 50, you know? That is for sure. I'm exhibit A on that. Because when I was in my 20s, I was able to go out and eat a half gallon of Breyers mint chocolate chip ice cream, have pizza and a pound bag of M&Ms and not gain a pound. Of course, I was, you know, playing sports and working out, you know, a couple hours a day and running, you know, two to three miles and burning it off. Now I just look at the stuff and I gain weight. Yeah. So what's the right food for you today? for your body, your needs today in the present moment. And it's not going to be the same as everybody else. It's like, it's, it's a very individualized thing. And how we eat is as important as, as you know, what you eat. So what you eat is just a piece of it, right? How you're eating, when you're eating, the amounts that you're eating are all a very important part of it too. Yeah, you're speaking the same language I am because that's what I tell people is your portions have been supersized without you realizing it because they made the plates larger. And yet in Europe, they're still nine inches in diameter. In the U.S., they're 12 inches in diameter. In restaurants, they're 12 to 15 inches. We eat fast because we're in a hurry. We eat distracted. A lot of times we'll be working at our computers or watching TV. And we look down, the sandwich is gone or the bag of chips or cookies, whatever people are eating is gone. It's like, where did it go? Don't realize you already consumed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for some people... Just learning about this and being more mindful can work. But for some people that have trauma in their system, knowing is not enough. They really have to rewire the defensive pattern because that part of them that is trying to keep them safe with these behaviors will fight really hard when you try to change that behavior. So then we get the self-sabotaging and then that whole cycle of guilt and shame around their weight and their body and their dieting. And it's, it can be can lead to so much suffering. Yeah, and we're all different and unique. So what may work for me won't work for somebody else as far as food intake. Some people, you know, like to eat beef, some don't. Some like fish, some don't. Some like chicken, some don't. Some want dairy, some don't. So you have to figure out what, number one, you like and number two, what's good for your body. And what's good for you is different than what's good for other people based on your genetics and your personal circumstances. So, so it's, I think it's the number one thing that I think that I help people with is awareness, like self-awareness. I'm going to learn about myself. What are my stress patterns that are maybe subconscious? What's happening with my metabolism that will help me understand myself? And I could get labs. I can do some tests. I can find out about myself. I can be more aware of what I'm doing because when I'm more consciously aware of it, then I have more choice and more power to make a change. Do you find that people who will journal what they eat discover more about themselves that they may not be aware of? Absolutely. And some people just simply don't do it. And that's okay. Like we can work around that. I, I highly recommend journaling, but different personalities do well with it. Some some personalities just can't quite do it. And that's okay. I recommend it. But if they can't get it done, we'll work around that. But it is very useful because it brings more awareness to our patterns. And sometimes people just journaling can start to see the pattern themselves. Sometimes they can't see it. But when I look at a food journal for the past week or two, I see patterns and I can see something they can't see. 
So when I do work with clients, I, I, I do appreciate it if they're willing to take the time to journal and track things. And, and I especially like it when they track what they're eating, when they eat, how they eat, their mood, their energy level, all that. But sometimes that's like, whoa, too much. I can't do that. And that's okay. Yeah. A lot of times when I work with clients too, I like them to write down not only what they're eating, when they're eating, but why, why are you eating? Are, you know, is it for comfort? Are you stressed because you're hungry? So there's a lot of different reasons. And then, like you said, once you get to the underlying issues, then you can create new habits and new patterns. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people want to jump to, I want to stop doing this. Like, and that's kind of like going from A to Z. So I like to say, well, let's move through this slowly. What am I doing? Oh, look what I'm, I'm doing this. And as I do this, eat this chocolate, how do I feel? What are my thoughts? What are the sensations? Be with it. Notice it. What are the judgments that you have around yourself? Is there pleasure? Is there not? Like, really be with it and name it all. Name it. So in, in trauma healing, we talk about noticing what's happening and name it. So I like for people to do that also. Before we stop or change the behavior, if you're feeling like you have an addictive component to the food, you're really struggling with changing, don't change yet. Just eat it with awareness and name it. What's happening to you? Then slow down so I can see why am I doing this? Is there an emotional component? But if we don't slow down, we don't have enough time to observe and really find out what's happening on the deeper level below the surface. So people need to realize that it's a process and that it's not with the national brands promote, you know, a quick fix or something that you can take the magic pill or the magic supplement. Yeah. Lose weight while you sleep, lose 20 pounds at night. Yeah. Yeah. Those things don't work. <laughs> uh-uh. I, I always like to say that the changes in the body are the side effect, right? The weight loss is a side effect of you getting healthier, right? And if we're losing weight at the expense of our health, it's not going to last. No. And I usually advocate when you eat for your health, your weight loss journey will take care of itself, basically. Exactly. It's, it just happens. And it happens in a healthy, sustainable way. Which is what everybody strives for. Exactly. So much information. So great. How can uh, the audience reach out to you, Kimberly? I have an easy website to go to. It's called TEH Therapy. That stands for Transpersonal Energy Healing Therapy. So there you can see the group work that I do and the courses that I teach. And you can also click on the About Me button to learn more about my private practice. And I do have a free five-day challenge coming up called Break Your Food Barriers. And so this is a five-day process, not about what to eat or what to change. It's about how to prepare yourself mentally and emotionally to start a change. So it's a five-step process on things to do to get ready whether that's a huge lifestyle change you're going to endeavor or you just want to drink more water. It's just a nice way to help you get organized and get ready to make a change. So that is on my website, tehtherapy.com. If you want to sign up for free, you can be a part of that journey that we're starting in a few weeks. Awesome. I appreciate your being here as a guest so much today, Kimberly. Thank you. And again, one more time, we'll give the website out and also it'll be in the, the notes for the show. 
uh, where can the audience reach you? TEHtherapy.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Stop Dieting Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe so you won't miss a single episode to get more healthy eating and lifestyle tips. Motivate and inspire others to be healthy by sharing with your friends. 